just a few weeks ago, we celebrated the birth of our Lord Jesus on Christmas Day. And now many years have passed. And last week we celebrated His baptism, His revelation to the world. And we remembered how the voice of God the Father was heard on that day, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And today we hear the declaration of John the Baptist himself. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so it is that our Lord Jesus is revealed to the world, is revealed as the Messiah that his people had been waiting for for so long. But what kind of Messiah would he be? How would he act? What would he do? Would he be the sort of military leader that so many were expecting? Who, as they saw the evil in the world, were looking forward to the one who would come and set things right? Who, with a strong arm and weapons and many others following him, would overthrow the Roman Empire controlling their land, set them free, cast down the evildoers, and lift up and small people. Of course, this could have been a good thing. And to do things like this, to use force to restrain evil, is something that is a responsibility of some people who have the responsibility to protect a nation and so are given, as St. Paul says, the sword to protect, to do good. This is the responsibility of some. And moreover, we know that at his second coming, our Lord Jesus will judge the living and the dead. There will come the time when he will bring force and punishment to bear upon evildoers. But this was not what he came to do on his first coming. This was not what would characterize his years of public ministry, which he was beginning at his baptism. Now, although many were awaiting and thinking of a sort of military leader, that that's what the Messiah would be, this is not necessarily what all were expecting. And one of the sources that some might have noticed to reveal to them more of what the Messiah would be would have been many of the texts of the prophets. And especially four particular texts within the book of the prophet Isaiah that we today call the Four Servant Songs. They're not, they're not right after each other. They're in four different chapters, namely chapter 42, 49, 50, and 53 of the book of Isaiah. But when, when scholars have noticed when they read through that, that in each time the pace of the text changes, it becomes more poetic. And each time it's speaking of a figure identified as the servant of the Lord so that we've come to group these four passages out of these four chapters and look at them together. And certainly, the early Christians found these four passages very important and very revelatory of our Lord Jesus, of who he would be, of what he would do, of what kind of Messiah he would be. So today, in our first reading, we heard 
part of the second servant song. And in that servant song, we heard, it declared, the Lord said, or, the, or actually the servant of the Lord is speaking, saying, he formed me as a servant from the womb. And he formed me to bring Jacob, that is the people of Israel, back to him. But not only the people of Israel, but indeed to be a light to all the nations. And last week, our first reading was actually from the first servant song in the book of Isaiah. And there, in great contrast to what anyone might have expected if they were thinking of a military leader, instead we heard it said that the servant of the Lord would not be crying, would not be shouting, would not be making his voice heard in the streets, but rather that a bruised reed he would not break. A smoldering wick he would not snuff out until he had brought justice to the land. Now the description of a military leader, the goal would have been to bring justice, right? To stop evil doing, to punish it. And yet the first servant song shows us that that's exactly what the servant of the Lord will do, but he will do it in a different way. He will bring about justice. He will bring about righteousness. He will set things right. But he's going to do it in a different way. He's going to do it in an internal way, a way that strengthens, a way that helps, a way that changes internally so that even those who are bruised or discouraged are helped to grow, are strengthened. This is the way that he will bring justice to the nations. We heard John the Baptist declare him to be the Lamb of God. And when he declared that, there were at least two things that could have come to people's minds, aside from the general association of perhaps lambs being offered in sacrifice to God in the temple. Two things that might have come to people's mind. The first would have been actually the fourth servant song which might have been a very strong association. For in the fourth servant song, it speaks of the servant of the Lord and how, like a lamb, he would remain silent before the shearers. The other strong association would have been with the Passover lamb. As we think about how back when the people of Israel were in slavery in Egypt, as part of rescuing them, the Lord had them sacrifice a lamb put its blood on their doorposts and eat its flesh as they prepared to leave. And they would repeat this sacrifice year after year when they celebrated the Passover, recalling and celebrating how the Lord had set them free and the role this Passover lamb had had in their being set free from the slavery in Egypt and brought to the wonderful blessing of the promised land. And so by John calling him the Lamb of God, though he has not explained yet exactly what that will mean, this is building. There's this association with these texts of the servant of the Lord with him and also with the Passover Lamb. Something involved in a sacrificial way that would set free from slavery and bring to great blessing. But what an unusual way he would do it. 
so it is that here we have revealed who our Lord Jesus is. Here we have revealed what he has come to do and how he has come to do it. What great blessing he will bring, but how he'll do it by giving and supporting and strengthening. And thus it is that in the Gospel of Luke, speaking in the synagogue on one particular Sabbath day, he uses the text from Isaiah to in effect himself declare his mission. The Spirit is a Lord as an, is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to declare that the oppressed will go free, to proclaim a year of the Lord. And if this was our Lord's mission, then it is a mission that we share in too. For it is not done. And as we have been baptized in Him, we too have our own individual share cooperating with Him in this mission. And so the question always is, how can we give of ourselves? How can we support the weak? How can we enkindle again that light in those in whom it has gone faint? This week, this Wednesday, we come to January 22nd, a date that stands out as the anniversary of the Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion across this nation. And so it is that now, as often, we turn our minds to issues of the dignity of life and of the many ways of which abortion is one, in which life is violated in our land. Now we know that this issue is a contentious issue. And so, in the context of what we just said, we might well ask, does this sound, when we raise this issue, and speak of the value of human life and the wrongness of abortion, is this like a military leader going out and conquering and knocking down evil? Or is it like the servant of the Lord who comes along and quietly strengthens and gives of himself to make others stronger and more full of life? Is it a way of proclaiming and showing the mercy of the Lord as our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has so often shown during this past year? It is well to think of this. For certainly, we know as Catholics, and we tell others that it is wrong to take innocent life. It is wrong. It is not something for us to do. Human life is a gift from the Lord to us, to others. And we need to seek to safeguard it, to honor it, even in the weak, even in the old, even in those with disabilities, even in those who have not yet been born. When we look at this message, as we try to convey it to others, and we look for mercy, we find it. Consider for a moment as we shift our perspective away from the babies whose lives are taken in abortion to the women who were then affected, and the men, the mothers and the fathers of these babies. So many in surveys say that they would not have chosen this if they were not pressured by financial circumstances, 
by family circumstances, by, by one way or another, they didn't feel that this was a perfectly free decision. They were pushed into it, many say. What would the servant of the Lord do? Surely the servant of the Lord would do what we Catholics indeed do. For through programs like the Sanctuaries for Life of Catholic Charities, through programs and ministries like the Gabriel Project, we seek to alleviate those pressures, to provide the financial help, to provide the medical help, to provide the resources that these women and men need so they do not need to feel pressured to take their child's life so that we can help them to make the choice that indeed so many of them want to make, to choose their child's life and to protect and nurture it. What else would the servant of the Lord do for those who indeed fall into making that decision and thereafter suffer from shame, from guilt, from depression in different ways? Would not the servant of the Lord reach out to them to draw them in again through ministries such as Project Rachel, such as we offer to help women and also men to recover from this, to meet again the Lord Jesus himself, to know his mercy and his forgiveness, and indeed to receive the healing that he offers. When we proclaim the gospel of life, this is exactly who we are following. It is not a message of condemnation. It is a message of hope. Against the deceptions of the world, against the entrapment of the world, we seek first to help people by the truth and by material help not to fall into this pit. And for those who do, to then, with love and mercy, to lift them back out. And the Lamb of God, the suffering servant, succeeds again and again. I sometimes help with Project Rachel, so does Monsignor Brennan. One of the things Project Rachel offers is support groups that work over many weeks, I'm not sure the whole thing, perhaps 40 weeks, to work through a particular, a particular book. Working, writing, reading, discussing. Those who begin it, the tension in the room is so high because they're suffering so much. But by the time they get to the other side, they are like different people because they have met the Lord again. They have come again to know the love and mercy of our Lord Jesus, perhaps more than they ever have before, and to be again transformed. And so it is that in this week, we can reach out our hands in mercy, proclaiming the gospel of life and asking all to come to our Lord. For he is indeed that servant of the Lord who will not break the bruised reed or put out that smoldering wick. He is the Lamb of God who will bleed his own blood to heal our wounds. He is the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome him. <laughs>